We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This is Metroscope, an Intercom Portland Public Affairs program. I'm Preston Highfield. Joining us this time on Metroscope is Fire Chief Joe Molina from the Vancouver Fire Department. Chief Molina is here today to talk to us about their Home Safe initiative. As Fire Chief, he oversees the activities of the Fire Department, including fire suppression, special operations, emergency medical services, fire and life safety code compliance, training, and support services. That's a lot. Welcome in. <laughs> yes, it is quite a lot. This is your first time at a radio station is what you're telling me. It is, it is. I mean, I listen to a lot of radio, but it's my first time in a station. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you here. Um, Talk to us a bit about your background, if you could. And you've been, let's see, you started your fire service career in 1992. Way back That's in before I was born. One <laughs> year before something. I was born. I'm 25. <laughs> okay. Even though, I'm, I don't know, maybe I look... 21? How old do you think I look? Or do I look 27? 18? <laughs> I even grew the beard out for you. Oh, you did. Okay. No, I started in 92, so that was a long time ago. So I'm in my 27th year in the fire service. Uh, started as a firefighter and worked my way up through the ranks and uh, in Texas, back in Waco, Texas. I uh, did 15 years there before coming out here as the deputy chief of operations in 2008 with the city of Vancouver. And then in uh, 2011 was appointed fire chief of the fire department and been doing that I'm in my ninth year. Impressive. And I'm, I have a couple of buddies who were uh, volunteer firefighters in college. I'm curious about your uh, formal education, a bachelor's degree in fire administration and management. Can you just talk to us about um, the, yeah. the education behind all that? Yeah. I, well, when I first joined the fire department, I didn't have a degree, just a high school and some college hours. But uh, as I progressed through the ranks, started to see the value of education. So I'm a relatively late, uh, Late educated person, I got my bachelor's degree in uh, 2007, so uh, and then quickly got some associate's degrees in paramedicine and, and fire service management. So, yeah, that helped me get the job. Obviously, helped me get the job of mm-hmm. operations chief and then and then fire chief. It's good to have that background. Uh, so, I would encourage any anybody out there in the fire service or even the volunteer fire service to to go ahead and pursue that education. Awesome. Chief Joe Molina from the Vancouver Fire Department joining us uh, on Metroscope. And I guess what kind of made you. Uh, passionate about fighting fires or, or joining this or, you know, molding this kind of career uh, for yourself? I, I stumbled upon it. I, I, got, I served some time in the military and then uh, got out and I thought I was going to be a police officer because my brother's a police officer and uh, just stumbled upon a fire service test, took the examination and and then have not looked back. I've really, you know, really was something I liked. It's paramilitary. So coming out of the military, it fit well with where what I'd come from. So, uh, yeah, it fit well. And then the, the idea of helping the public. Uh, the idea that every shift you don't know, you know, what what the alarm's going to bring. So it was just, you know, at that age I was younger and and really enjoyed just the the camaraderie uh, and 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 the and the helping the helping the community. I think some people know this and maybe some people don't, but these um, like twenty four hour or seventy two hour shifts that that firefighters go on. Can you give us a little insight into that? Because I've had yeah. friends who have done that where I think they work. You know, I, like I said, I think like three, three or four straight days. Yeah, they, they get naps in there, maybe. But how does a typical uh, firefighter shift work? Well, and, well, in our department, uh, and we recently went through a schedule change, but but they are twenty-four hour blocks for yeah. the most part. We do have a couple of what we call peak load units, so some some two-person medical rescue types that are on ten hours. 
uh, four tens, but those are relatively unique and new. Most of our fire engines and fire trucks, the crews are on for 24 hours. So they come on, come on at seven in the morning and get off at seven the next morning. And during the day, you know, they have, they have, uh, they have to obviously run, run calls, run emergencies, handle alarms, but they take care of training. They have to eat. So meal periods and, uh, they have, there's workout hour that's required to maintain physical fitness, uh, and and we try to obviously provide them the opportunity to to get some some rest mm-hmm. uh, during the day. But but after the twenty four hours, they're off. Uh, the way our schedule is, a lot of schedules are twenty four hours on, forty eight off, and then twenty four hours back on. Uh, our new schedule is twenty four hours on, forty eight off, then twenty four on, and then ninety six off. But somewhere in that first twenty four to that last ninety six, mm-hmm. they have to. What we have is a debit day. So they have to work, come back and work an extra day somewhere in that. So. Was that tough at first? I mean, do you see new new employees kind of struggle with with working twenty four straight hours? I mean, I yeah. know you said they get you know meal breaks and, and a nap think, break or something. But I think you know, I think the younger younger now they 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 really are excited about the career and and just absorbing it at all. And you almost have to order them to go home. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So I think, uh, but yeah, as you get as you get a little bit seasoned, yeah, uh, yeah the twenty four the, the not being home. Uh, uh, it was one of the big benefits when I when I left shift and went to a, a day job mm-hmm. as operations chief. It was nice to be home every night. So I think yeah, with a family and you miss a lot. You miss a lot of the yeah. events with a family when you're on 24 hours. How long were you in that uh, that uh, you know uh, style of of job for, as the, at the fire department? The uh, 24 hour shifts. My last my last 24 hour shift was in 2000 and uh, 2008. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, when I yeah. left, when I left Texas, I was still, I was a battalion chief, assistant chief there. Uh, and I was still responsible for the whole shift. So I was on 24 with the rest of them. Awesome. And you, so you were in Texas until about that time? Is that mm-hmm. what you said? Yeah, I left, I left and came here in 2008. So, big, uh, big difference moving from Texas to yeah. Vancouver? <laughs> Almost in every way. <laughs> yeah, it was a big difference. I, I actually, I'd never been to the Northwest. So I saw the position open on the internet and uh, applied for it. Didn't really know Vancouver. I was like Canada. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so then I said, "Oh, Port- even people Portland. here think that sometimes." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I said, "Okay, I recognized the word Portland and yeah. Oregon and the Columbia River." Yes. So I remembered a little geography. There you go. Uh, but yeah, I came up here for the interview, and it was the fall, so it was awesome. Oh yeah. So they hooked me when it was beautiful, and then I came back in January <laughs> to move into the house, and I was like. Wow, it's raining. <laughs> yeah, and it they, just rained. And they rained gotcha. And rained. That's what they do with with recruits for high, for colleges in this area too. Bring them in the fall, man. Bring them in the fall. Um, is there a big difference in in uh you know I guess just your profession from Texas to to Vancouver? You know, in some ways, not. When I got here, the the two departments are actually they were actually uh, formed fairly close together uh, in the 1860s. I think we're 1867, and they're 1874. So, uh, and even though the two locals are, you know, the local here is four, five, two, and the local there is four, seven, eight. So they're, they're almost like sisters and uh-huh. the departments are, are uh, similarly, you know, I, I came in and I, it was a lot of the same thing. In fact, some of the same people kind of personalities. So, uh, so really, yeah, the department, uh, not as much. I fit, fit in pretty well the way they run operations. Everything was very similar. Uh, the, the difference probably just just uh is just the uh, operating environment mm-hmm. because of uh, Washington and Texas are very different states in terms of the in terms of the way the government works and the and the and the unions and things of that nature it's, hmm. it's that was a pretty big difference okay uh, you know red blue state yeah <laughs> so, definitely <laughs> there's some big differences there but but overall the department and the community very very similar 
Right. Awesome. Well, thanks for letting us get to know you for a little sure. bit. Let's talk uh, a bit about what you're here to discuss, this community risk reduction. I've been reading mm-hmm. uh, you know, quite a bit about this, a couple different articles. I was also on your guys' website uh, earlier today. Again, this is Fire Chief Joe Molina from the Vancouver Fire Department joining us on Metroscope. Talk to us a bit about what does that mean, community risk reduction, and why it's important to you guys uh, at the Vancouver Fire Department. Well, it's, it's, really, uh, it's really all data-driven. I mean, in, in the past, we've the fire fire service has been around a long time and and typically and and we have really focused on suppressing fires right that's our that was our gig from the beginning horses and you know steamers uh really about suppressing fires cuz fire was a big big problem back then uh over time the fire service has gotten more sophisticated and we've done a good job of managing fires predominantly through you know codes code enforcement sprinklers like we yeah. have here uh highly highly successful tools and making sure that we don't have fires. Oh, we do have a sprinkler up there. Oh, yeah, I, was like, I, saw, I, was looking, I always I look like, oh, for them. I make sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be in a building without them. Put it that way. Uh, but it's really using data to try to, to, try to uh, move from being reactionary to being more proactive. And, and you really need to – each community is different. So it's really mm-hmm. sitting down and looking at your community, using data that you've acquired, and, and the fire service is getting better at that, and looking at what are the risks, and what are the risks uh, that a community has, uh, what is the probability of an event occurring. Uh, and you, and you can do that from a lot of different layers. And we've always done some prevention in the fire service historically. Uh, it's always been hard to quantify what doesn't happen, though, right? So how do you how do you measure uh, a fire that didn't occur? Because mm-hmm. we're really good at measuring the number of fires we have and the number mm-hmm. of calls we have uh, from a reactionary standpoint. But how do you how do you begin to measure things that didn't happen that you stopped from happening? Uh, so that's been the big challenge for fire prevention. Uh, pr- probably since we began doing prevention activities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do traditional education and things of that nature, but it's really more of a, a blanket approach where we're just you know, trying to teach as many people or, or just talk about as many things or do a, do a lot of just, just blanket type uh, shotgun approach. Mm-hmm. With CRR, we've been really, really trying to use data to, uh, we still want to do the, the you know, we still there's value in getting out to the, to the to most people in the media and things of that nature. But for us, it's really about looking at our community, using the data, and then starting to drill down on what are the risks, what are the what are the things that we, and where are they happening, and and we can talk about just you know in this case fires. So we really, really in the city of Vancouver through the fire marshal's office and, and my fire marshal Heidi Scarpelli really has has been a champion of this. Which is using data over ten year period in our community and looking at where are we having fires and then and we start looking back ten years, identify where fires are going, and you can actually create a heat map that shows where the hot a hot spot is of fires. And then we can dive into those those community areas and start looking at what's going on there. What's the demographic, what's the census tract, what's the building type, construction type, things of that nature. Uh, getting really down to socioeconomic things of that that to try to identify why are we having fires here. Uh, and then do, and d- diving deeper into it, what, what kinds of fires are happening? What are the causes? Because there's a real, there's a real, and feel free to feel free to stop me if I if no, I go please, too long, this is great. There's a real uh, myth out there mm-hmm. that I've been really struggling. I've talked to the talked to different media folks about this, but it's it's when we write things passively or we say things passively. A fire broke out, mm. a, f- a fire occurred. Things we we almost talk about it like it's inevitable, like it's fate, like Fires leak, lurking around the corner, waiting to jump on us, yeah. uh, and that's not true. I mean, for the most, for the most of our fires are preventable. 
I mean, so you're talking about like like local TV coverage or what what kind of coverage? Just anything. Think? I mean, yeah, I, yeah I've, I've talked to our local newspaper. Just uh-huh. it's, it's it's similar when you say a car, you know, a car hit a tree. Yeah. The, yeah, but there's somebody driving the car. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> so yeah. let's talk about, let's actually call out the unsafe behaviors that uh-huh. are causing things. And so that's what I've told them. I said, I'd rather I'd rather you talk about the fire occurring because it was an unattended cooking going on, mm-hmm. not just saying fire broke out in a kitchen. Okay. So it, it didn't just break out. Yeah. It, was a, it was unsafe behaviors. That, yeah. and, that, and therefore, it's a preventable fire. Right. And that's what we really have to start, I think, in our community. One of the things we need to do is just recognizing that fires are largely preventable and they occur through unsafe behaviors. Mm-hmm. So so there's our education, yeah. right? And that's, that's what we do with Project Home Safe. We get back out in the community to those areas that are having fires and we go door to door. We get our fire corps volunteers, we hit it on a weekend and we literally go to door with uh, with iPads that have different uh, different languages on there. So depending on the community we're, we're targeting, we can have a Russian speaking, Eastern Euro- European, uh, Mexican, Spanish, I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of different a lot of different uh, folks, obviously, in the community, uh, very diverse communities. So we want to be able to communicate with them and make an impact right then and there that's going to hopefully prevent that fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do it. We've done it really well because we we want to – it goes back to measuring what, what didn't occur. We take an area and we really divide it up and say, okay, we want to do a scientific analysis of this. And we want to say we want to divide it into to a, a test area and then a treated area. So one's our control group. The other one's not. And, uh, and we'd really have treated that area by going door to door and really focusing on the three things we really focus on, because it's hard to focus on 10 things, right? So we said, what are the three big causes of fires, mm-hmm. at least in Vancouver, and probably even here in Portland? Mm-hmm. Unattended cooking is a big one. Okay. Uh, uh, candles. Candles are on the second one. And then uh, a, a discard, improperly discarded smoking material. So it's putting your cigarette out on the, on the back porch on a, in, a, in a potted plant that has vermiculite. Which mm-hmm. then it smolders, yeah, and then, you know, two o'clock in the morning, it's it's burning the backside of the apartment building. That's what I was going to ask: is is kind of the risks in your area? I imagine it's different. Um, you know, like in Bend, for example, I worked in local TV for three years out of college in Eugene. Mm. Um, in in Bend, for example, it seems like they have you know tragically they have fires all the time in the summer. Um, and maybe that's that's I mean I would imagine certainly a yeah. a, a, a direct cause of their the climate that they live in but sure. um yeah kind of localizing it for us in Vancouver and even the Portland area what are some of those uh risks that that you see in, in our area uh, well i was just talking about most of them for uh-huh. us i mean uh from a fire standpoint it's mostly uh, in home stuff it's it's yeah. well we're really focusing on residential but one yeah. big reason is because almost every building has been sprinklered so so we've we've known so that, that's the thing it's not a secret right we know what causes fires is unsafe behaviors and and America in particular uh, is one of the one of the we have the mo- we have a lot more fire deaths than we should, given that we're an industrialized nation, first yeah. world. So, so what has occurred over history is we've had tragic big fires in nightclubs and things of that nature that have created laws. So we don't we don't those happen very few and far between. And when they do, it's usually because somebody's broken a code mm-hmm. or broken a rule. So for the most part, you're very safe in a movie theater, restaurant, in this building, mm-hmm. because of sprinklers predominantly. We passed fire code, ladies we and gentlemen. Fire code. We did it. We did. And our calm, we did it. And 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 that's been great. <laughs> but the last the last frontier uh-huh. for 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 where you're most likely going to die from fires in your home. Mm-hmm. Period. So that's the last frontier, and we yeah. just haven't. I think there's a. I mean, I blame the fire chiefs for the most part. We haven't advocated strongly enough mm-hmm. uh, to our elected officials. 
to get them to understand that we need to put sprinklers in residences. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Scottsdale, Arizona did it in 1985 uh, when it was a community that was relatively small right before it grew. And if you look at their fire problem now, they don't really don't have a residential fire problem. They largely don't have fires because they were able to get ahead of their growth, require sprinklers, and for the most part, all of their residences are sprinkled. Uh-huh. So, so that's a big that's a big part of uh, of what I think is the future of risk reduction. We can we're trying to what we do now is we have houses that are not sprinklered. So the only thing we can do is really go after the unsafe behavior. Yeah, and that's what Project yeah. Unsafe does. Okay. But big picture, what we need to do, and we're going to be talking with our elected officials soon, is is looking at putting sprinklers in all new construction hmm. moving forward. And a lot of people say, well, what good is that going to do? Well, yeah. it's going to save lives, number one, uh, and it's going to have an immediate impact on new houses. Uh, but even you've seen, there's there's always the old house that's not, and eventually that house though gets gentrified or changed over or something happens, right? And then we put sprinklers in those. So old, old houses, new houses become old houses and old houses hmm. become new houses. So Project Home Safe, that's a perfect transition. So you guys are going door to door this summer yep. in the Vancouver area and basically offering uh, fire prevention tips, kind of like how you've just been discussing. But talk to us a bit about uh, Project Home Safe and, and the Vancouver Fire Department and what you guys are, are doing uh, to educate folks in the community. Well, like I said, we've got our fire corps volunteers, and I can't say enough about them. They they give a lot of their time to this effort, to a lot of efforts, but this one in particular because this one is just so, we, we have to do it in a short period of time. And, and so it's really getting out there, letting the community know we're coming, uh, letting them know that we're gonna be in the area so they can expect us knocking on the door. And then it's having those those meaningful conversations about, you know, what are candles? Can we, you know, if you're big into candles, you need to know how to properly use and not have flammables around. Uh, we prefer, you know, LED, you know, little yeah. flickering lights. Restaurant uh, style. Some, yeah, yeah, some yeah. Restaurants, I've yeah. got my wife there. <laughs> yeah. She has one candle now, yeah. but I know where it's at. I check it all the time. It's in the, you know, it's on the granite counter. Nothing's around it, but I just can't get her to get rid of it. How many the, sprinklers do you have in your house? I don't have any. I wish I did. Really? My fire marshal does. She she yeah. put them in hers. Uh, no, I live in a townhome, and I, I can't believe they didn't require sprinklers in there, but the, <laughs> the code isn't, as, as it's written right now, doesn't require, but that's one mm-hmm. of the things I'd like to, I'd like to change is to have townhomes. Uh, sprinkled. We, there's building construction they do, you know, fire firewalls and things of like that, but but not having sprinklers. If I was going to, it's some, something I priced. Uh, it's a little more expensive to do it retro than in, when it's in new construction, but but definitely probably something I'm going to need to look at entertaining, especially if I'm going to be uh, advocating strongly for Preaching it. I'm going to I'm gonna have to yeah. put my money where my mouth is, there you right? go. walk the talk. So what are, what are some of those, uh, you know, f- uh, fire in-home fire prevention tips that you'll be sharing with with people. You may, I mean, you mentioned yeah, the can. causes and like candles and cooking. So what do, what do people do? How do people avoid uh, starting fires with, with, in their house? Well, uh, you know, the the three big causes we talked about are cooking, smoking, and candles. But it's also men, women, and children, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So those combinations, <laughs> right? Human behavior. So it's really really talking to and, and a lot of people, you know, use candles for religious things or, or ceremonial. So they have, you know, they they've got a real affinity for them. So it's really just making sure they understand that what, that fires can grow quickly. I think a lot of folks believe that uh, believe that they've got time, right? Smoke detector. I mean, for, we still push smoke detectors. Those mm-hmm. are passive. They're just really to alert you to leave. Yeah. Uh, and we really want to focus. If you do have a fire, leave because uh, fires right now are get faster, quicker, and hotter. So there's in the old days a lot of uh, natural fibers in the furniture natural uh now it's plastics and chem, you know a lot of dim synthetics so the you really literally have two to three minutes to get out of a, a house if you're smoke alert if you have a fire 
before you're overcome. And so, so I always preach to people, make sure that they, you know, have a plan to exit, make sure everybody's out because the fire engines are coming, but we're, we're six, eight minutes out, maybe, yeah. maybe longer. So if you're not out of the house, look, there's a fairly good chance that you've already passed away. So, yeah. so, so waiting on us to get there or thinking we're going to put the fire out and save you is not, not reality. You've right. got to save yourself. So exiting the structure is preferable. Uh, we do encourage, you know, fire extinguishers are a tool that people can, people can buy and have, uh, just need to know how to use them and what types of fires. Cause you know, they don't work on every type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think just making sure that they know that, you know, really unattended cooking grease fires. I, mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many we go on. Really? Uh, and those mm-hmm. are near misses. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of times you'll hear us go and we, everybody cancel just food on stove. We want to start capturing that as a near miss because that's a near, yeah. that is a fire that that is an unsafe behavior that resulted in a fire, but luckily didn't extend to, <laughs> yeah. to the to the structure. Man, that almost happened to me in my college days. I'm, you got me thinking about because I was yeah. thinking before this interview, I was like, have I ever come close <laughs> to getting into a fire? I don't think so. But then I remembered, you know, we had a barbecue and and we it probably wasn't even like legal for us to have the barbecue up there. It was on one of those uh, balconies where like the roof was right, right. over like right. to like 10 feet, you know, maybe 10 feet above. And, uh, and it was, it was just like a big grease fire and we got the fire extinguisher out and we did, I mean, my roommate did, he was really skilled with it. He grabbed it in yeah. two seconds and put it out. But, um, yeah, I was just thinking about that. So maybe for the average like listener at home, if they're thinking, um, I guess maybe barbecue since it's outside wouldn't be a great example, but like say their oven catches on something on their stove catches on fire and then you know maybe another a piece of furniture starts to catch on fire what do they do what like how would you say they should react in yeah. in an instance where a fire is going up in their house well if, if a lot of them you know like you have, if you have the right extinguisher that helps uh if it's a grease fire you know, obviously cut off the fire and you can put a lid on it you know if you've got a pot with a lid uh but if it starts extending like on the furniture you're you're you're, you're gonna find yourself quickly quickly overcome the fire is gonna grow quick yeah so I, I would recommend that if you can't knock it out really quick with some some tool or some action, uh, and it starts to extend, and usually the cabinets start, or maybe an adjacent furniture, you need to get out and call nine one one. That's that's it. I can't tell you how fast it goes from small to big. Yeah, and it just exponentially grows. Uh-huh. It's not linear. So before you know it, you're 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 trying to put it out with a towel or something, and the next thing you know, you're the, you're coughing and then smoke and yeah. before you know it, you're disoriented and, and you can't even get out. Yeah. It's that fast. Okay. It is really fast. Um, I wanted to save a little time. We have, let's see, we have about three, two and a half minutes left here. Oh. Um, I wanted to ask you the craziest fire story you've ever heard of or been a part of, unless there's any, is there anything else that we, any no. other information we need to get out there? Um, for the folks. Who what do you listen? mean by crazy? Uh, <laughs> what do I mean by crazy? Well, it could be, it could be anything from, can you believe how this fire started? To, uh, you know, just a gi- a giant fire in general. A giant it, fire. It, I well, you know, like I, a mansion caught on fire or something. You know, I do have a crazy story of a mansion catching on fire. Really? That you brought that up. Okay. Yeah. No, it was. I remember it was a Super Bowl Sunday, and we uh, the city had had uh, annexed an area of I'll call them McMansions that were fairly outside of our normal. They were they were annexed, but there wasn't a contiguous boundary. It was an odd annexation. Uh, and needless to say, the folks there were not happy about it. Uh, so there's a lot of, I was at the station closest to it, which was still like probably 10, 12 miles. So it was a, it was a long way out. There was yeah. a Super Bowl Sunday and uh, we got a, a call for a fire, uh, out at the, a, one of these McMansions. So myself and the crew get on the engine, start flying down there. We pull up to the, to the house, there's cars, it's a, 
knock on the door, you know, and when because I don't see any smoke, nothing showing. Hmm. So I walk up, knock on the door, and and the uh, gentleman answers, and he's there's a Super Bowl party, full party yeah. going on, and I'm like, somebody call and say they had a fire? Yeah, it's upstairs in the bathroom, it's third, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, okay, so <laughs> so I send I send one of the firefighters up there because I'm thinking they're not acting like there's some there's a fire, <laughs> so he goes up there and there's yeah the the bathroom's on fire, candle onto towel, bathroom's on fire. Uh, and I they're still even, in the house watching the Super Bowl. The, yeah, well, it was a big. It was a lot of floors, big, yeah. big. I mean, it was a long way. So, right. so we had to actually get get a treat it like a hotel. So we had to actually pull some big hose down up and then do the, what we call a Y of a smaller hose. Yeah. So we're in there doing a full firefight. I'm, I'm, I'm. The other units are coming in, and you know, I'm. They're I'm, just I'm, eating hot dogs downstairs. Yeah, they're they were out there barbecuing, had the big screen TV <laughs> on, the pool going on, and they weren't even evacuating. Uh, we got the fire out. It was pr- fairly well contained because they did close the door, which is a big deal. Okay. Closing the door, but. Uh, yeah, they didn't want to leave, and you know they were just fine with us dragging the hose right down the middle of the stairwell, and we That's put the fire incredible. out. We rolled everything up, and you know that uh, is incredible. Yeah, now the wife got home and she wasn't happy. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. So that was the deal. Like, oh, yeah. There was heads rolling. Someone was we were in rolling, the doghouse. We rolled the hose, and yeah. she was rolling them up, uh, <laughs> rolling them out the door. Heads. Yeah. So that was a, that was an interesting one. <laughs> awesome. Well, Chief, thanks so much for being here. Uh, City of Vancouver. Dot us. You can check out uh, the website there for more information. And um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for what you guys no, do. For and and um, yeah, best of luck with everything. Yeah, maybe we'll talk later. We were talking today with Fire Chief Joe Molina from the Vancouver Fire Department. Metroscope is an Intercom Portland Public Affairs program. I'm Preston Highfield. If you're involved with a nonprofit or public affairs organization, or if you have an idea for an upcoming show, I'd like to hear from you. Visit metroscopepdx.com and submit your ideas. You can also go to the station's website and submit your information there. Thanks for listening to Metroscope and enjoy the rest of your weekend.